Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Coming up on today's show, E3 is coming back in 2023. We finally got a look at the Last of Us HBO series and Xbox has launched Project Amplify. Welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I am Brittany Brombacher, joined by the lovely, the, mm, I need a nickname for you, the dancerific, mm, Rihanna Manuel Pena. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello. I'm, I don't, I'm excited for, for this twofer with just you and me, Brittany. Dude, I don't think we've done a twofer before. Well, not on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was like, I need like a really good new intro name. Some folks did call us Britry. Okay. B-R-I-T-T-R-I on Patreon.com slash What's Good Games. Why not Britana? Britana. Dude, I love it. Yeah. Britana. It sounds like the name of a ship, like a big luxurious yacht. Oh, yeah. Now I'm thinking of Encyclopedia Britannica. (laughs) Okay, so it's a big mm. encyclopedia-based yacht out in the middle of the ocean. You know, it's it's it looks like a, a book, but it's a yacht, and it's yeah. called the Britannia. It's a very yeah. well-versed ship. It's a very well-versed ship. <laughs> Hello, friends. Andrea Renee is not here, which is why the show has already gone off the rails. She is taking this week for a little R&R, which is something we all can use from time to time. So if you feel like you need the time, don't be afraid to reach out. Treat yourself right. We have a fun and interesting show this week, some very interesting news articles, and you have been playing some Netflix games, which I'm yes. very excited to hear about. But first, I want to give a shout out to the Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Atia, Justin Fushi, Punctified, and thank you, new podcast reviewers, La Spicy, <laughs> and I know y'all do this on purpose. Ree, why don't you give this one a shot? You want to okay. try pronouncing the same? <clears throat> <clears throat> thank you for your review, <gasps> Mr. Miss or Person. There you go. You know, I was actually able to follow along with you. <laughs> you did a really, I was like, okay, she got the at the end. She's done. You know what? For prosperity speak, I'll go ahead and I'll actually read out the letters. We got A-G-S-H-I-V-N-J-D-Z-G-B-B-J-V-D-H. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I do appreciate the fun tongue twisters from these reviews. As we say every week, they make us feel all warm and fuzzy. And they sometimes do give us that extra little push. And we just greatly, greatly appreciate them. And this show today, this week, is brought to you by patreon.com slash what's good games, where you can sign up if you want to support the show. And if you can't, that's okay. Leave us a review. We appreciate all of your support. But let's talk about the news here because yes. we got hit with a big old, what do you want, a big old slab of E3 meat this, <laughs> this week, Re. That big old news announcement sausage. So E3 2023, it is coming back after three years in the dark. This comes from gamesindustry.biz. This week, E3 team is sending its plan for the show. Oh, yeah. And real quick, I just want to preface before you start reading this. Everyone listening, this first few paragraphs is written from the first-person perspective of the author. So oh. if it sounds like Rhea is talking on behalf of herself, she's not. Just want to throw that out there. And then it gets into the meat. But it didn't make sense if I cut this part out of the article. So as you were, my friend. Thank you. So to quote the author, I quipped last time that this deck would inevitably get leaked. And so I thought, why not leak it ourselves if that's even possible? Now, to be candid, this isn't everything. It's not even most of it. The E3 team is still being built and there is a lot more to come. But this is what we've got so far. And let's start with the facts. The E3 physical event will take place from Tuesday, June 13th through Friday, June 16th at the Los Angeles Convention Center. It is a business and consumer show. The first two days are only for business. The third day is is business slash consumer day, while the fourth is purely for consumers. The team had set themselves quite a few lofty goals with E3, as you may remember, but the three core objectives are make a better business event,
event where it's easier to connect, meet, and conduct interviews. Hallelujah. Make a better consumer event where there are things for fans to actually do. (laughs) And partner, support, and be friends with everyone announcing games in and around E3 irrespective of whether they're actually in the convention center. So goes on to describe a little bit more of like what E3 used to be and how that has affected sort of the plan going forward. And so, Brittany, I know you've been to many at E3. And in more recent years, there's been some tension as they've opened up the convention to consumers. What are your thoughts on this new direction they're going with these three core pillars? Yeah, I think this is great. You know, I've it's hard because I've always wanted to open the doors to E3 to consumers because I... Not only for consumers, folks who never don't have any aspirations to be in the video game industry, but getting into E3, and I mean, I don't know how it is now because there hasn't been a physical event in a couple of years. It was never really an easy thing to do, especially as the, the later years went on. And I think that's such an awesome opportunity for people who want to get into this industry to be able to go to E3 and kind of get that experience and get that coverage and talk about these games that are only featured and or saved for such a huge event like E3. So obviously, though, with that, you have a lot more crowd. And E3 is a different beast in itself. We love PAX, obviously, but that is definitely a much more consumer-focused event. And E3, while it is a lot of fun because it's video games and it's so hyped, it's a lot of business. A lot, a lot, a lot of business takes place there. A lot of deals get made at E3, right? For a lot of folks, that can make or break your entire career or your game or your project or whatever. So it's hard when you do have a super crowded convention hall and you can't get to to from to where you need to go, or if there's some sort of roadblock and you just it complicates stuff. So I think this right now, I mean, I can't think of a better way to manage this. So I mean, to start, I'm sure, you know, there will be more efficient choices made down the road, better optimized. But I think this is a lovely, lovely start. And it makes me happy that everybody as of right now can enjoy E3. What do you think, Ray? I think it's great. And what's really impressive and exciting for me personally is to see Repop coming along to help manage the back end of this event. Repop, you know, famously known for running all of the super fun fan events that we do with like such as PAX. And I think that experience is going to be so, so crucial in making this a hybrid event because as you and I both know, and we've talked about on the show many times, those business conversations really do need a proper place and time to happen to keep moving things forward, right? Both for the game's editorial industry and journalists and people who are adjacent to it like we are. And then also for people who are straight up making games, publishers and developers and even hardware manufacturers to have a place where they can go and talk freely at a stand-up bar or in front of a a Mm. booth or something and just like casually discuss what they have coming up and how they can combine forces for any plans moving forward is just so, so powerful. And there's really no way to replicate that outside of being in person in a safe and controlled environment. And that's a lot more feasible without thousands and thousands and thousands of people around who are listening in, right? So yeah, it's good that they're doing that separation, but then also giving the opportunity, as you mentioned, for people who are coming up in the space and who want to be content creators, who want to be developers to have an opportunity to rub elbows with those same people. It's like a best of both worlds situation, right? And mm-hmm. I think Pop is the right choice to make this possible. I think they know how to handle large crowds of people oh, who are yeah. excited about about something, but keeping things safe and manageable. And at the same time, you know, obviously E3 is known as a business to business consumer slash whatever (laughs) type of convention more recently. But originally it was, you know, an absolutely inside networking industry event. So I'm glad that they're keeping the spirit of that for sure, because that is a really important piece that I didn't want them to miss. We have a specific feedback here from somebody who asked a question, right? Yeah, we do from Nova. (laughs) Hi, Brittany. There's the name. Uh, With the news of E3 coming back, them having separate times for press and the general public seems like a great idea. Looking at the schedule, do you think they gave enough time for the press to be able to cover things, or do you think some of the work is still going to bleed into the general disaster days? Thanks for all of your work, ladies. Yeah, I mean, there's no way to cover E3 in two days. Let me clarify. It depends on how you want to cover E3. You know, if you're going to cover it like how I used to cover it back when I first started going to E3 in like 2010, you know, it was appointments from morning until night. Like you just go, go, go and you wear yourself out and then you're just a shriveled husk by the end of the day. But you could do that for all of those days and you still won't see a fraction of what E3 has to offer. I mean, like, there's no way. It's like, I think, you know, when we go to E3, we may or may not have our hotels booked already. I'm very excited. (laughs) You know, I think we're definitely going to, as you call it, bleed into the general disaster days. But I think it's a little harsh, Nova. Just, just, Just a little harsh. 
But yeah, I think this is the way to do it. And unless you want to give us two full luxury weeks at E3, but then everyone would, the whole industry would collapse probably. Just send everyone to like Punta Cana or something? And you know, going back, what I like about what they're doing here with these two areas is it sounds like the one half of the convention center is just going to be like much quieter, probably more calmer booths, networking areas. And then the other half will be the quote spectacular E3 that you're used to. And I think that's really important. And I think that also kind of lends itself to the point I was trying to make earlier. When you're trying to have those really important business meetings or networking or talk to a developer about their game or whatnot, and you have all those really loud flashing lights and the loud sounds and booms and audience cheers and woots and hollers, while the energy is really awesome, it can make it really difficult to actually have that conversation there, which is why you're generally like, okay, let's go to the Jada Marriott and like grab a drink. But it sounds like, yeah, like this other half of the convention center will be made specifically quieter where maybe the booths won't have like those. It'd be more like what I imagine what a preview event looks like, where right now, you know, it's just kind of an open area with just like, you know, several TVs and controllers and dev and PR on standby, which sounds great. And I'm happy that it sounds like everyone can kind of enjoy E3 now. There is some interesting stuff in here that gamesindustry.biz has, I don't want to say leaked because maybe it's a leak like they said, but the stuff does get kind of interesting. So business folks now will receive data, insight, interviews, and analysis direct to their inboxes and in print before, during, and after the show. And when it comes to fans, E3 will invite consumers into their halls on Thursday and Friday. We talked about this, but then they go on to say the show will be more accessible for indies and indie publishers to showcase titles in the concourse hall, which will also be open to gamers. And the team is planning elements outside the LACC, plus numerous game presentations that fans can watch in person or online during those final two days. During the week of E3, some game companies will want to showcase in different spaces and at different times. We've seen this with a lot of major companies. E3 will officially partner with as many of these other events as will have it and for free. And those who aren't joining officially, it will still support the games and companies within those shows too, which is so great because now it's not like this competition, right? Like E3 (laughs) versus like EA Play or E3 versus Xbox or whatever you want to call it. You know, I love this idea of just kind of bringing everyone together and making it one as unified as you can get it week. You know, where all they all kind of work together and the pieces all complement each other. And then this is really neat, too. So E3 will do this to the editorial we mentioned earlier. The features, articles, insights, and reports will cover everything going on that week, including before the show and after. You could be showcasing at the PC Gamer Show or Summer Games Fest, and E3 and Game Informer will still want to hear from you and talk about what you're doing. Attendees to these events can access this editorial for free, too. And then they go on to talk about a meeting app where you can, if you consent, you can be a part of this app where people can find you and request meetings with you, blah, blah, blah. This is great. Yeah. I love hearing that they're increasing access for people, right? In as many ways as possible. And it's interesting that they mentioned specifically Summer Games Fest, because as we all know, (laughs) Summer Games Fest has been sort of the de facto E3, at least virtual Mm. conference for a lot of people for a couple years now. So it makes sense to play friendly with the people who have been holding it down where you were gone. Does it really bode well to to make immediately enemies with, you know, Keeley's shows, but... Uh, It's encouraging. It's encouraging that they're looking for a way to bring all of this stuff together, all of these disparate things, your Ubisoft 4s, your Nintendo Directs, your Xbox showcases, your EA plays, and like giving you a hub, like where you can make sure Mm -hmm. you've caught up on everything. And making an app is a very straightforward way to do that. Not everybody has access to an app, but it's a lot better than just searching everything on the internet every week like we do. Yeah. And it's cool that E3 attendees will be able to find you in the app and schedule meetings with you if you like if you're exhibiting in the car park thinking about like devolver there i think this is just really cool it's definitely a step in the right direction and it's you know the sort of thing where they do have a lot of experience with packs but e3 again is like this whole another beast this old like different almost culture and vibe if you will so you know i fully expect you know there will be more optimizations made going forward but for now i'm i'm really excited for e3 to come back this is it's like christmas all over again for me you know, just, now have you been to an e3 i've been to one e3 so okay. the one and only e3 i've been to is in 2015, when I was just a a fresh young pup in the industry, working at the Xbox team. And I went as both a fan and as somebody who was on the dev side, right? So Mm -hmm. I stood in line for some things, and then I had access to others. So it was very mixed experience. And I I imagine it's not much different from what these quote unquote disaster days are going to look like. Cutainment. Remember the cutainment stuff <laughs> oh, that we've been yeah. talking about? I want to know what is this cutainment. I want to know, but we will find out. Oh, it's going to be good. 
All right, enough about an event that's like nine months from now. <laughs> I wanted to be ignored. Let's talk about The Last of Us. Oh, so we finally got a teaser trailer for HBO's The Last of Us as part of The Last of Us Day. And if you're wondering what the hell is The Last of Us Day, well, I also wondered what the hell is The Last of Us Day. But through PlayStation, this is what they've said. Quote, in the world of The Last of Us, September 26th marks the day the cordyceps fungus hit critical mass. It is known as Outbreak Day. Since 2013, Naughty Dog has used Outbreak Day to celebrate our incredible community by releasing new and exclusive items, content, and special promotions. Scroll down and check out some of our newest release. So I do think it's funny. Like, let's celebrate the day that Cordyceps effed everybody up. But whatever. It's kind of cute, I guess, you know, (laughs) in a weird way. So they released a whole bunch of new gifts that are based off of some of the most popular memes out there. There's a new wallpaper that's nice and fancy and a photo mode community album. And that's all well and great. But the highlight for sure was the Last of Us trailer. Marie, did you watch it? I absolutely watched it. I watched it four times. Oh, four times. Okay. What what are your opinions after watching it for four times? Early opinions are I like the casting. I Mm, like the tone that they're setting. I caught Storm Reed, who's one of my favorite actresses <laughs> in one of the scenes and a carousel. I won't get into what that means in case people haven't been aware of spoilers for the story. I'm really excited for honestly the different perspective it's going to offer us, right? Like obviously we know lots of, of Joel and Ellie's experiences from The Last of Us Part 1 and Part 2. Yeah, again, not trying to get into too many spoilers because at this point it's fresh for a lot of people. Yeah. But I'm excited to follow other characters, which the game doesn't really give you that many opportunities to do, right? So you mm-hmm. get to see different scenes with let's say someone like a Tess or you know other people at the outbreak day for instance mm-hmm. and I really 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 loved the look of the one clicker that you got to see up close oh I, I actually was... stopped and freeze framed and I was like ooh he's creepy <laughs> like th- that <laughs> part of the horror doesn't scare me like like other spooky stuff does because it's just so fantastical that I don't feel like it's gonna happen so it doesn't scare me so much as like a paranormal activity would but I oh. really really like this and I'm actually excited to watch it Oh, yeah, I'm with you. I also watched it like maybe three times. I'm not as cool as you, Ari. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, again, keeping it as spoiler free as possible, which is, you know, I want to run a Twitter poll and see how many people are planning on watching HBO's The Last of Us, but who haven't played the game. I'm going to be really curious to see what that little diagram looks like. Yeah, Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so some really, really cool shots there. I'm with you. I love the tone. I love the music. I love the casting. I know at first a lot of people, of course, it's the internet. We're like, oh, but I think once you watch this, you can't help but feel like it's just nailed. Like Pedro's just such an amazing Joel. Just he has the whole grunge, like haggard man look down. And I think he's going to fit really well. But starts off, you see the quarantine zone in Boston. You see some firefly graffiti being painted over. There's a shot of Tess, Joel, and Ellie leaving Boston and then there's this like one shot of downtown Boston when the lightning flashes and it's such an awesome look and I because that's for me one of the main like holy crap moments from the game when you first get downtown Boston and Ellie is just like blown away by the size of these buildings and I think that shot really encompasses that so that was great Um, we got to look at Marlene Ellie Riley and then Joel and Sarah not looking forward to seeing that part but you know it's it's gotta happen and then based off what you were saying earlier yeah like some of these a different look and a different perspective from some of these iconic characters and that's something that I just really love Neil Druckmann's obviously I think like what executive producer on this he has mm-hmm. some big high up role so he's very involved and so that's why I'm feeling confident about how this is going to go down and some of the expanded looks at these characters that we're going to get I think it's gonna be really exciting we do have a couple characters in here well, one character, at least. So there is a glimpse of Melanie Lindsay's. I'm so bad at names. L-Y-N-K-S-E-Y. I'm so sorry, Melanie. Her character. And so according to Polygon, she's playing a character named Kathleen, who is, quote, a ruthless leader of a revolutionary movement in Kansas City. Joel and Ellie travel across a huge portion of the country in the games, but it sounds like the HBO show will fill in some of those gaps and talk about Kathleen and what her group is up to. And then if y'all remember Henry and Sam, not going to go into who they are, the role they play, they meet them 
them in Kansas City instead of Pittsburgh, which is the original location. And HBO said Sam and Henry were, quote, hiding from a revolutionary movement seeking vengeance, which is Kathleen's group. So fireflies are not fireflies or? I think the fireflies are still fireflies. I think this is a new group that's Mm. been created for, you know, some reason or another, maybe to flesh out some certain plot holes or movements or I don't want to say plot holes, but you know what I mean. So anyway, we'll see. Like, and I think that's it gives people something else to look forward to. I'm all for that. You know, and then again, you have Resident Evil Netflix show and that try to go on with it bad self. And well, <laughs> we saw um, how that went. But because Neil has a direct involvement in this, I'm very excited for it. So yes, and I have high hopes for, for Netflix moving forward. We'll talk about a little bit more later in the show. But yeah. fingers crossed they get this one right. Uh, it looks good so far, for sure. It does. And Sean, I wrote in from Patreon.com slash What's Good Games and asked, with the Last of Us trailer, which scene from the trailer looks the closest from the game? For me, it is the sound of the clicker and the stealth area of the game that is shown in the trailer. That is a really good scene where mm-hmm. I think it might be the scene where Ellie sees a clicker for the, f- well, no, because she sees a clicker for the first time when the clicker is already dead. And this, yeah, there is a scene where Joel is with Ellie and it looks like Tess, but maybe it's someone else. But, you mm-hmm. know, you can tell that Ellie is freaked out and Joel just kind of looks at her and like puts a finger it's up like, to his lips. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, my God. I'm really excited for this. Three. Like, I'm really yeah. excited for this show. And uh, anyway, <sighs> I really like I, I the think- scene where they're riding on the horse and it's like, save who you can save. It's literally like, oh. y'all, if you can't if you can't be quiet and sneak around, peace, like you ain't making it. <laughs> like we're out. <laughs> it's very much that like was, the game. <laughs> now's not the time to be sipping on some broken glass. Not it's like don't trip on that tree root. Come on. <laughs> like we gotta run. <laughs> I think the scene for me that I that really got me is the one where Joel is it looks like almost like shaking Ellie. And if you look at some of the frames, someone compared it and they're they're pretty much shot for shot. That's a very emotional scene and a very strong scene and important to the relationship of Joel and Ellie. So I understand why you would kind of do that frame for frame. And people pick up on that and we remember that and it and it really makes us gamers feel heard. <laughs> I'm just joking. We're not that. I mean, a lot of you are that self-absorbed. But anyway, I digress. So yeah, I think those are some really good scenes there. But that's enough about clicker talk and other stuff. That's a really bad segue. I was going to say cheese. And then I'm like, wait, we didn't talk about cheese at all. For some reason, cheese came into my head, Ree. And I don't know why. I warned you before we started the show that I have lost my goddamn mind. It's fine. But it's absolutely fine. We all clicker, have. Cl- clicker cheese. <laughs> Get the new dairy product at your local Safeway. Oh, I got um, you. I got a segue. Okay. Okay. So the iconic sounds of a clicker are not unlike the sound of an Xbox boot up screen. Ooh, Xbox launches Project Amplify to support black youth interested in the game gaming industry careers. So this comes from Xbox. That is really important to highlight. So we are going to talk about it. A recent survey from HBCU Connect, historically black colleges and universities is what that stands for, commissioned by Microsoft, determined that out of 200 respondents, approximately 95% of college students and alumni from HBCUs across the country share that they have interest in a career in the gaming industry, with 34% of respondents stating that they are specifically interested in program management roles, 24% interested in engineering roles, and 18% interested in gaming development roles. This week marks National Historically Black Colleges and Universities Week in the United States. Gaming is a leading form of entertainment, but today only 2% of professionals, 2% in the video game industry, are black compared with 13% of the U.S. population. In partnership with members of the black communities at Xbox, Xbox is looking to uplevel that statistic and close this gap by promoting pipelines for black people and youth across the gaming industry. Introducing Project Amplify, a video series that aims to magnify black voice within Xbox to inspire, educate, and motivate youth across the U.S. to aspire towards careers in the gaming industry through real-life storytelling from Black leaders and employees across the Xbox ecosystem. Project Amplify features 14 Black employees from across Xbox as they each share advice, insights into their current roles, and highlights from their time within the gaming industry. This video series is meant to educate youth on the diversity of roles within the gaming industry while highlighting some of the Black people who are working in these roles daily. To launch this initiative, Xbox is partnering with the 2022 Revolt Summit and AT&T for a two-day event, September 24th through the 25th, which was a couple days ago, to reach students and gaming enthusiasts through on-site industry panels and networking opportunities with member of Black communities at Xbox. Bravo. 
This is this is the work we love to see. Thank you, Xbox. Sorry, continue. Take the floor, honey. Like this, I want to hear obviously what you think about this. Yeah. So, in case you are not watching on YouTube.com/slash/What'sGames, that was Brittany and I giving a round of applause, not anything else. And this is really incredible. I am a huge proponent for diversity, equity, inclusion in the video game space. Obviously, it's something that I speak a lot about. And there are many different ways to increase representation and retention for Blacks in the gaming industry. Because a lot of times people are interested, as Brittany talked about in the beginning of that quote, there's an overwhelming amount of interest, right? Like, a lot of people love games. A lot of people have grown up with them. They play with them all the time. Their parents love them. Like, everybody is into this stuff, right? Like, it's fun. It builds communities. It's a really great place. That's why we're all here. And for there to only be 2% when that is more than 10% less of the overall population is clearly a systemic issue. And the only way to address systemic issues is to change the system. And that begins with showing people that they can. And so we're at ground zero, right? (laughs) We're at the base (laughs) level of impacting the space and being that change and showing people that they can do it because someone else is already there doing it is step one. And I know that this work is continuing in lots of other spaces as well, but it is so, so brilliant to see Xbox taking a step forward in this way, AT&T getting involved for this to be happening at HBCUs, which I did not go to a historic black college or university, but my sister did. And I know that they are so, so invested in building a network for their graduates and alumni that this is the kind of partnership that can truly impact change. And I am so, so proud of Blacks at Xbox for pulling this together. I love y'all. And I'm just really happy to see this coming to light and for people to be celebrating it at the same time. This is wonderful to see. And obviously, you know, I'm as white as they come. But I (laughs) I think it's really great that you mentioned systemic because I think a lot of folks who haven't been who haven't done their own research and try to learn what does systemic mean? What is systemic racism? How far back does it date? And this is something that I've been trying to do a lot of work on and educate myself because, you know, when you're privileged, you don't hear about that. You don't know how it impacts you. You just, it's not a part of your life. And it's really unfortunate that so many folks are just so unaware of why something that's systemic can impact something. And then because you have the privilege, you've never seen it, you don't understand why something like Project Amplify is needed. That's why I'm so happy you just nailed that. And this is just wonderful. And again, as a woman in the industry, obviously, I see a lot of I never thought I could get into games, but then I saw someone who looked like me. It's just all about representation and someone who looks like you getting in front of a camera and making themselves known. And that can have a huge, huge impact. But not everyone has that equal opportunity to do that. Right. And so, again, like just from my perspective, I think this is wonderful and lovely. And hopefully we'll see more of this because it's needed. Two percent is far. (laughs) far too low. What the hell? Uh, No, amen to that. And I do want to say thank you, Brittany, and say it publicly because educating yourself is hard and it's something that not everybody takes the time to do. So I appreciate that you do it. And I know that you do it. I've seen the results. Thanks, baby. Love you. I love you. I would say now is when we talk about it in case you missed it. But honestly, there hasn't been a heck of a lot going on. You know what I, I mean? mean? There's like some, you know, Marvel news with some some Deadpool and, and Wolverine. But uh, oh, oh, what? See, I'm not aware of this. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, I'll, I'll give it really quickly because you really should yeah, just girl, go give watch it uh, Ryan Reynolds's Twitter video post from today. Today is the 27th. If you're not aware that we're recording, yeah, there is a new video from Ryan and featuring a good friend of his and I'll just leave it at that it has to do with an upcoming Marvel movie (laughs) so that's exciting if you're into that and I will give the disclaimer she's not on the show but Andrew Renee Drake another co-host of this podcast is in fact cohabitating with and married to an employee at Disney but obviously has nothing to do with our fandom of Marvel (laughs) (laughs) wait like for a minute I was like oh my god is Andrea in this video I that would like, be so sick. Oh, my I was God. Like, why didn't the bitch tell me? What the hell? I was going to be so upset. Could you imagine if she just popped up in the back? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> She'd be like, hey, husband works for Disney. Take a shot. Oh, my God. I would pass away. Yeah, that would be quite. The, but no, like, honestly, real talk. I've been checking. And we're recording this, by the way, on a Tuesday. So news is very light as of right now. So apologies. But, you know, we'll, we'll try to make up for it in our hands-on section. We'll try to milk it for all we can. Milk like a fat udder on a cow. Yeah, <gasps> nice and engorged. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm so sorry. No, I love it. A nice and gorgeous utter. Oh, girl. On that note, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Bree's hands-on with some Netflix shenanigans, My Time with Star Ocean, The Divine Force, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast, where we talk about what we've been playing and any preview events we may or may not have been to. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Also, maybe we'll talk about Encorged Utters, who could say. But first, Re, you have been playing Desta, The Memories Between. I have. So I have been given the privilege of previewing Desta, The Memories Between. Thank you so much to the team behind Netflix Games. I'll talk about them a little bit more in a second. But first, let's get into Desta, because Andrea and I awarded Desta, The Memories Between at the Arena booth at Gamescom this year. And it is so, so deserving. Now that I've finally gotten my my grubby little fingers on it, I can absolutely say it holds up. I'm really excited Yay. for everybody to play this and, and to tell you about it. So Dust of the Memories Between is a mobile game. And I will explain a little bit more about that again when I talk more about Netflix games. But I've been playing with my Samsung S21 Plus. It has been clear that it is on Android OS, like the current OS. So if you have any Android device, it could work. So it could work on maybe you have a fancy tablet or something like that. You can absolutely play it there. On my screen, I'll show you how big it is compared to my hand. On this size screen, it is easy enough to see the text that I don't have to squint. But uh. it is a note that it may be small for some people. So it depends on your your depth perception, your sight ability. But I have not had any personal issues with it. As far as the accessibility of the game, I am not qualified to speak to it. So I would highly recommend looking into that if this is something that you want to play and you have sight challenges. But the positives of the game. Soundtrack, oh my gosh, it is so, so chill. It's like this groovy, ethereal, like hip hop sort of space. I literally had my headphones in because it recommends when you start up the game to play with headphones in. And I put it down to like send an email because I was playing sitting here at my desk. And it was maybe a good like 10, 15 minutes before I realized I was listening to the game soundtrack and not just my normal, I'm chilling out, lo-fi hip hop girl stuff. It's that good. It is super, super good. I cannot wait for the soundtrack to come out on Spotify. I hope they do Uh that soon because it is incredibly good. As I said, I played on my Samsung and it's all touch controls. So you're clicking on your character. You're clicking to throw balls, which I'll get into in a second. And then you're also clicking to like progress dialogue because it has lots of elements of dialogue in it. You know, you see your character pop up and little text bubble and then the other character and their text bubble, you know, all of that good stuff. So the type of game it is. It's sort of like, it's got XCOM elements, so there's definitely some, you know, turn-based strategy stuff. There's, like, some team mechanics where, you know, you're managing the different abilities of your team members and, like, positioning from them and, like, their, you know, the different ways that they can affect the game that are different from your character. And then you're also facing off against enemy that have similar movesets, but then you're also throwing a ball at them in order to try to, like, hit them, which is the way that you defeat them, you know, like, taking out their hit points with this ball. You can pass the ball between characters, and there's some RPG elements where you're upgrading your abilities and your team's abilities as you progress But then there's also some roguelike elements because every time you fail, if you get hit too many times, you wake up from the dream world where you're playing the game. So it's it's 
kind of complicated because I described it poorly, but <laughs> no, 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 it's, I, it's I love really it. It's pro- straightforward yeah, okay. once you get into it. You described it well. I think it's just interesting because I love it when you get a, a mechanic or some a setting that's just unfamiliar. So it's not like you can just say, like, oh, this is an action RPG. So you have a ball and the ball is the only thing that can deal damage. Yes. Okay. And do the enemies also throw balls at you? They do. So imagine okay. you're like at, let's say, a playground and there's some okay. obstructions. There's a swing set. There's a gate. There's a fence, a trash can, whatever. You and maybe, let's say, one another teammate are positioned randomly to start the match, quote unquote, the match. And then an enemy and another enemy are also positioned randomly to start the match. And there's maybe like four balls in the ground. So you have to take one of your two action moves to either move and pick up a ball and throw it or move you're not all the way to the ball yet move again to pick up the ball or you could move to the ball and then throw it to your teammate and then they could move and then throw it the enemy so you have different combinations and you and your teammates can move in any order you like which is really part of like sort of like the puzzling of the strategy and the same goes for your opponents some opponents can hit you without a ball some of them have to have a ball in their hands in order to throw it at you and you can ricochet balls off of things so if you're good enough if you're skilled enough you can throw a ball at an enemy and catch it as it bounces off of them and then throw again Ah. immediately so there's lots of twitch skills involved lots of aiming lots of english and pool terms and angles and stuff it's a lot of fun and what's really really cool is that as you progress through these dreams these levels you are meeting characters from desta's past so desta is returning home after the death of their father and reconnecting or at least preparing to reconnect with people that Desta has left behind. And if you've ever played a conversation in your head before you had it in real life, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when I say that this goes so many different directions where Desta says the wrong thing and someone gets upset or they try to get real with somebody, but the person keeps avoiding them. And there's all of these different reactions, but Desta's continuously playing through all these conversations over and over and over again to try to win them, to try to get connected with the person that they've left So it's really meta and the storytelling, but at the core of it, it's, you know, sort of into the breach style attacking, right? But in real life, you're you're just trying to communicate with somebody because that's what Desta used to do with their dad is throw a ball back and forth in order to take turns communicating with each other to get to the heart of what they wanted to say. So it's very emotional, but you're also playing dodgeball. Like it's it's so hard to break it down without actually playing it or seeing it but I've only played through the first two chapters and I'm already like locked in with these characters and I want to meet the rest Mm. of Desta's friends and past you know relationships because I've only met two and a half so far I haven't beat the third one and I want to know more I want to know more about the the people in their life and and the places that they've been and what they've left behind and what they're returning to So can you fail conversations? You can. And when you fail, you wake up. So that is one minor inconvenience that I've had with it so far is that whenever you fail, quote unquote, you you get hit enough times with the ball that your hit points are depleted, you wake up. And the Desta waking up animation so far, again, I'm only through the first two chapters and I don't know how many there are. It's always the same. And there is a certain amount of time that you have to wait for Desta to go back to sleep because it's, you know, a scene that plays out in... It gets a little repetitive if you're failing a lot, which I did for a while until I got the hang of it. And that was a little frustrating. But I do really enjoy the fact that when you get back into the game, you feel like you have better awareness of what you need to do and you almost always have a plan on how to do it better. That progression is really sort of based on how quickly you will learn the game mechanics versus how difficult the game is. Okay, this is really interesting. Definitely sounds like something I haven't really played before. Kind of sounds like a bunch of different games mashed maybe into one in a sense, which is really cool. And I love that Netflix is making something like this. Yeah, so to talk a little bit more about Netflix, because I watched their more recent To Doom video. Mm -hmm. I believe it was live, but I watched a recap of it. They talked a lot about their new games initiative. So this is from help.netflix.com, their their Netflix games information. So right now they have 25 exclusive mobile games. So that means that this game is on mobile exclusively with Netflix. There are plans for it to come 
to other platforms later, but they don't have any specifics on if it's coming to any other mobile platforms. But what you get with the Netflix games whole outfit is that it's included with your Netflix membership. There's these 25 exclusive mobile games. I think that Kentucky Route Zero is one. They have this one. So there's some really good, there's some good bangers in there that have been adapted to mobile. They work on Android phones and tablets, iPhone, iPad, and iTouch. And they can be downloaded on your device at any point. So you could download this as soon as it's released. Requirements to play is literally just like an internet connection to download it, enough storage space in your device, which may be an issue for some people. And the active Netflix subscription. So it's all cloud-based. If you're running Android 8.0 or later, it's or iPhone 15 or later, you should be good to go, which is most people's phones. And it runs through everything through the cloud saves. All the Netflix games have maturity rating that match what your Netflix setup is. So if you have parental controls on your Netflix account, it will apply to your Netflix games. Keep that in mind. If you're signing on for a kid or somebody younger in the household who's on restricted access, that might affect which games they can download. But yeah, it's pretty interesting that they're they're getting into this publishing space because I think Oxenfree is another one where like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of really great games out there that most people who aren't into games will just have no awareness of. And I have many thoughts about how Netflix runs business. But what I'm really excited about is that they're bringing more games to more people, right? And if you're sitting on your couch and you see an ad for like, oh, you can play this game on your phone. It's a lot like the show you're watching, Stranger Things. You like time travel and spooky stuff and kids. Try Oxenfree. That's really cool, right? Like that's a compelling story to tell. So I'm very hopeful to see more games coming to Netflix games and for them to expand this offering. And we'll see if they hold on to exclusivity as their angle or if they sort of open it up to games that are on other platforms as well because in the end all I want is more gamers out in the world so this is really cool cool to see yeah I've been doing some googling behind the scenes while you've been talking about all of this and I'm I'm on the struggle bus to find a release date it looks like some folks say the 26th some say the 27th but I'm on Steam right now and it looks like it's coming to Steam but it just says coming soon you know all the PR folks bless you you send us all these amazing things and we're like oh yeah I guess that would be helpful I do it all the time appreciate it so from us to Desta Memories Between. It will be coming to Steam and Nintendo Switch in the coming months. So probably holiday time frame and then yeah, other and platforms I think whenever they can. I think that's really smart to release it on Switch and, and Steam and other platforms. It's it's that hard thing of, and even I do this, when I hear Netflix games, I just instantly like, Bleh, I don't want your Stranger Things video games. I mean, that's, <laughs> I have nothing against Stranger Things. I've actually never seen an episode of Stranger Things, so I'm not one who can criticize it. But, you know, it's kind of that, it's that knee-jerk reaction that I think a lot of us have of this is just a cash grab. This isn't an actual, like, game with heart and soul put into it. You know, it's a lot of bobs at the top or whoever the executive is that's cracking the whip. So, no, I think it's really important and good that you, you're you talking about this in that you're giving us your thoughts on it because it's definitely changed my perspective on the types of games that I might be able to see on the Netflix gaming app. And I think that's really important. And I don't think Netflix is going away from the gaming scene anytime soon. They just announced a new internal game studio in Finland, actually, not that long ago. Finland, a couple days back, maybe it was. But either way, I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. So I'm hopeful, like I said, for Netflix games. I'm hoping that it leads to to more people normalizing gaming and (laughs) making it a part of everybody's life. Yes. Everybody should check out Desta once it's available, either on mobile or on Steam or Nintendo Switch, whatever is your platform of choice. It is a very incredible experience so far and I can't wait to see where they go with it and everybody should give it a try because it's very different yeah. and there's something there for everyone it's so important to support games that are different that's yeah. been my kind of like shtick for the yeah. past like year or so games that make you feel things it's what have good. you been playing Britt what have you been feeling oh, lately? lord yeah so I'm I'm kind of in this weird like mood where I want to wrap up games that I never finished and I don't know why I think I have so many games that are at like that 70% mark you know that mm-hmm. I'm just like I need to finish it's just before I start anything else so I went back and finished Nobody Saves the World with Jason this is an awesome awesome indie game and they just released Frozen Hearth DLC which gives you two new forms and a fun little like gauntlet of challenges so if you haven't played nobody saves the world i've talked about it before but it's this adorable rogue light and it's co-op and you don't have to play co-op but i choose to split screen and online it's on switch we were playing on xbox and it is one of my favorite games that i've played in in a long time favorite co-op games and what's so charming about it 
is you have this big overworld and you play as this little this story that happens and you're on this little like character named nobody and you're this epic weakling and but what the, your shtick is is that you earn a new form so you can play as a horse or you can work your way up and become a necromancer or a bee or a slug or a ghost or a mermaid or an egg and each character each form has its own moves but what you can do is you can mix and match all these moves from these different forms to create pretty fun builds yeah and that's part of the loop and then as you know you progress through certain characters you'll level them up to a point you'll unlock a new character in a new form and there's certain dungeons there's a lot of dungeons in this game a lot of challenges and what you have to do is like min max and figure out what's the best form that you know to do that anyway i've talked about it before but it's a really really special game and Drinkbox deserves all of the praise are getting for it. It's very good. So I went back and we finished that, which felt really good. Then we just went back and hopped into Saints Row again because <laughs> I, I think I, I left, maybe we have like maybe, oh, I don't know how many missions left. It says 50% on the completion screen, but I think it's the kind of completion screen that incorporates all like optional content mm. into that. I don't think it's 50% campaign completion, but probably overall completion. Anyway, we just reached the point in the game that Danny was talking about when y'all, when he was on the show, you, of course you're always on the show, you overachiever, where he was saying how you have to do some of the optional stuff to progress the main campaign. And so on Patreon, when I mentioned that I was playing this, Daniel Hole wrote in and said, Firstly, let me say I had fun with Saints Row. My question for the group is, how do you feel about open world games roadblocking the story with, quote, optional content? For example, open 84 more criminal ventures before the next story beat. Thank you, ladies. Heart you. And what he's talking about is in Saints Row, you get to a point where, you know, I think this, I, I like the story in Saints Row. Haters are going to hate, but I think it's fun and entertaining and dumb. And like, that's what I expected. You know, we've mm-hmm. talked about this. Yeah. But we're at the point now where it's like, hey, this thing that you probably thought was optional, it turns out it's not entirely optional and you have to do that. You have to do this optional air quote stuff in order to progress the main campaign, which really came at an unfortunate time because the reason I wanted to come back to this game is I want to see what happens in the story. I want to do the fun campaign stuff, but now I have to do a lot of the side stuff, which I feel like personally, like I'm kind of tapped out. I, I've enjoyed the side stuff, but it's all pretty repetitive now at this point. I thought I could just say like, cool, I did it and walk away from it. But now I'm kind of being forced to revisit it and do it. I mean, whatever. Like, the game is still fun, but I'm going to see how much energy it takes. Because, like, how many driving missions do I have to do (laughs) to fill this meter? Is it going to get too boring? Because, I mean, I got Elden Ring that's, like, tugging on my panties right now, being like, hey, girl, remember me? Yikes. We had a lot of fun together. You know, you miss me, you miss me. And the answer is, yes, I do miss you. But I know Elden Ring is going to take so much more time. So I'm like, knock out Saints Row first. But... Anyway, Rhi, how do you feel about this? I, when open world games roadblock the story with optional content. I'm not a huge fan. And yeah. I appreciate the implementation of achievements for that reason. So if you mm. are truly looking for, you know, checking off all the boxes, if you're a true completionist, if, if you know, seeing everything done is really your jam, I love that optional content is there for you to have something else to play, to collect points or defeat enemies or whatever it is that you need to do. I don't like when games tell you how to enjoy them. I like when games (laughs) kind of put themselves out there and like, hey, whatever you like, you like it. If all you want to do in Elden Ring is like play around your stats, go for it. Like if you never want to move past the character creation screen in Cyberpunk, fine. Like I like when games just let you get out of it, whatever it is you want to get out of it. That's why I'm such a huge fan of Cult of the Lamb right now because I'm Mm -hmm. really just vibing with my villagers, barely going on runs. And the game's like, fine, that's whatever. I don't like when games force you to play it in a certain way. So that's why it's not my favorite mechanic. That's totally fair. And I think that's a really good point. I mean, it remains to be seen if this optional stuff will tie in epically to the story in some way, shape or form. But even if it does, even if it takes me five hours from now, it still takes me five hours from now and I have no inkling that that's actually going to be the case. So it feels like just kind of cheap padding at that point. I think it's great if you put the fun optional content in the map for people to enjoy it, have fun with it because it's fun. But you know, you get to a point where like, okay, I've done this enough. I can only do the same mission over and over again so many times with a different setting and you know, whatever. Okay, so there's Saints Row. So I do plan on trying to finish it. We'll see again how uh, the patience stacks up. Yeah, again, report Elden back. Ring. I'm curious I will. Elden know. Ring is is flirting with me. It's eye-fucking-me from across the way. 
But the other game I want to talk about is last week I talked about Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion and my time at the Square Enix event. But the other game I also got to spend some time with was Star Ocean The Divine Force. Now, Re, I don't know, are you familiar with Star Ocean at all? No. It's okay. Just try to stay awake. And I say that with love because this is definitely a Brit-ass Brit game. It's JRPG all the way. So okay. you got this. Wait, wait, wait. Um, check your posture. Yep. yep, yep. And then taper eyelids up. And no. I mean, I really love my time with it. So I'm excited to talk about it. So this is an action RPG developed by Triace, published by Square Enix, coming out October 27th for PS4, PS5, Xbox Series X, S, and Windows. So Star Ocean is interesting because I've never really played a Star Ocean from start to finish. I've dabbled, but I always have had a soft spot in my heart for Star Ocean because it's one of my grandma's favorite series of all time. She loves Star Ocean. I grew up watching her play Star Ocean. And so whenever there's a new game in the series, I just feel like I kind and I got to flock to it and so I can play it and, you know, keep her updated with it. So uh, a lot of this is is kind of like there's a lot going on, but we'll, we'll talk about it. So this story follows dual protagonist Raymond Lawrence and Leticia, I believe that's how you say her name, Osirius. <laughs> Again, I'm trying my best here. In their, quote, adventure to save the cosmos, and this game takes 46 years after the last mainline game, which was called Integrity and Faithlessness, which came out in 2016, which was the last one that I tried to play. But unfortunately, I ultimately just burned out on. <laughs> and yeah, the, the Star Ocean timeline is the thing that I've tried to understand, but I can't. So I'm not even going to pretend to. But what's cool about this, and I was reading about this from some colleagues, is that the dual protagonist thing is neat because this is the first time we've gotten this in a Star Ocean games since like 1999. So if that was a feature you liked in the game that came out that year, cool, you'd be excited about it. It's going to be great. But what I also am really stoked for is that you'll get a different perspective on the story based off of who you play. So you can play as Raymond or Leticia. And depending on who you choose, you'll get different companions. Again, your perspective will change how the story unfolds and you'll have different endings dedicated to all of the party members that you have. And Raven and Leticia are very different people just from the time I got in my demo. Raven's more like techie sci-fi merchant ship captain and Leticia is, is the crown princess of the kingdom. Osirius, again, I think I say that right. So, you know, very different people, very different backgrounds. And so it's interesting that you can play as either or and kind of get a different perspective. I think that's very interesting because, again, very different people. And so as far as the story goes, essentially you have this federation that usually stands for peace in the galaxy. But now, of course, she's gone south and they are evil and they are destroying planets. It kind of sounds like a Dragon Ball Z plot. But (laughs) what do I know? So you have Raymond, who's the captain of a merchant vessel. He's on a standard transport mission when shit goes south. And he is attacked by a member of said federation, who's, again, the evil people now. Him and his crewmate get stranded as they have to make an emergency landing on a planet below. He gets separated from his crewmate. He finds that crown princess I mentioned, Leticia. And she's like, yo, I'll help you find your crewmate if you help me save my kingdom from this evil empire. And he's like, sure. And there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is the story and the plot of Star Ocean the Divine Force. That's kind of what I picked up on anyway. Very interesting. Leaves it, you know, open-ended for many, many different angles. The combat was really interesting, too. And it's a lot. There's a lot to kind of dive into here and absorb. And I think as someone who's also playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3 right now, like, I'm used to all these weird mechanics being thrown at you. Um, You know, it feels like every step of the way. But Star Ocean definitely was a lot tamer in that regard. And I really appreciated that because it felt more easy just to pick up and play. But yeah. still, it's not your simple turn-based, you know, hack and slash combat that a lot of us are, you know, kind of used to from those older JRPGs. But it is seamless. So you can go from exploration to combat, no problem, which is appreciated because the exploration was so killer. But I'll talk about that in a minute. Your combat skills cost AP to perform. So as in this maybe is a staple of the Star Ocean franchise, I don't know, because I haven't played one in a long time, but you have an AP gauge in front of you and Every time you execute a command, it slowly goes down and then it refills. And so you have to time that and make sure that you're being strategic with the commands that you are using. You have stop mode so you can freeze the game, give orders to your allies, change your targets, etc. And the part that really got my panties in a bundle in a good way, in a very in a way that got me very excited was the leveling up. So you accrue SP and what you can do is you can strengthen skills you've already learned, acquire entirely new ones, or I think there is another option where you can buff what you already have, which was different from strengthening your already learned skills. There was basically like from what I remember, there was many different ways that you could upgrade your character and personalize them, which 
was really exciting because I feel like that's a lost art. I'm not going to get on my soapbox here, but in MMOs especially and RPGs, you know, it's very cut and dry. You level up, you get a certain amount of points, you know, that go to certain attributes and you don't get to customize that. And that's something that I I really love and I've really missed from back in the day. But it sounds like in Star Wars and the Divine Force, they're really just like going all in on that. And then the final main thing that I got to play around with a bit is called Duma. And I am pulling this straight from the Star Ocean Wikipedia because if I tried to explain this, I'd be fumbling over my words all night. So essential to gameplay is Duma, D-U-M-A, who gives the player access to the Vanguard assault mechanic for a variety of uses. For example, in explorations, it allows all characters to fly to traverse areas and cities or scan areas to find treasure. In battle, by depleting the VA gauge, it allows access to high-speed attacks, shields, blindsides, and aggression radar. And then you can use the Duma to find treasure throughout the world. You can boost it with gems you find throughout the world. Anyway, it's a lot, and I get it. And Rhi, you're a fucking trooper, and I love you. But you know, honestly, like I said at the top of this, going into this, I was like, okay, Star Ocean, something my grandma really loves, therefore I have a soft spot for it. But my expectations weren't, like, super high. But after playing this demo, I was maybe like 30 to 45 minutes I played it, I was hooked on it. I was really surprised. And it's the sort of, it's one of the main reasons why I love preview events, you know, because you events like E3 and PAX is you get to play games that you probably otherwise wouldn't have given too much time to because our attention is being pulled in so many different ways. But actually having the opportunity to sit down and play Star Ocean, man, like I'm really excited for this. Like I want to play this. And as I was exploring, just the landscape was really pretty. It felt like you could go almost anywhere you wanted to. I'm not going to say, you know, Breath of the Wild-esque because that, that's just such a (laughs) when you make that kind of comparison but what I mean by that is when you just have the sprawling landscapes in front of you you feel like you can almost go anywhere with the Duma flying mechanic and the characters were voiced really well I thought they were all very different and I love me some just different characters that get to interact and are kind of thrown into a clusterfuck together you know I love seeing like how that's written how that plays out so yeah I mean if you've played the last Star Ocean and it kind of disappointed you I would say just keep your eye on this one there is a free demo out right now that you can play that is the full like beginning of the game and you can give it a shot and see if it looks like something that you might be into because yeah like after playing it it changed my mind completely star ocean the divine forest october 27th it's gonna be a brit aspirate game and i'm so excited for it i'm excited for your excitement thanks Ray. i'll make sure i'll keep you posted on all the the husbandos that i inevitably come across yes please please report i absolutely absolutely will <laughs> <sighs> Well, Rhi, I think that that's it. You got anything else you want to chat about? You want to talk about your toenails, your toes, big fat toes? uh, We're talking about my fingernails. I I did them for the Miami Dolphins since we're going to be going to a Dolphins game soon. Nice. Okay, see, that's. I need to grab inspiration from you because when I I mean, first of all, mine are grown out as hell because my uh, nail lady had a COVID scare, so I couldn't go in. But they're just plain. I need just like some fancy. Do you pull inspiration from anywhere? I do. I look on like like Pinterest and I I actually watch like three hour long nail design compilations to come up with ideas sometimes. But most of the time while I'm just sitting there doing them, I'll do something by accident and then I'm like, oh, that's cool. Uh, go with that. So, you know, you're so uh, talented. Inspiration for comes you. many ways. Thank Good you. Good for you. I mean, like they look professional. Oh, thanks. Well, I mean, it helps that I can take as long as I want when I do it myself. So I know, but four hours me. is achievable for me because I don't have clients coming in that I have to get to. That's true. So you're just walking around with like five nails done. You're like, hey, mm-hmm. what's up? Yeah. Siri, the professional nail artist. Yeah. Right on. Well, great. Well, yeah, we should talk about that. So you, my dear, are heading out next week for a fun thing. I am heading out. So I will be in the New York area for Comic-Con time frame, which I'll be able to talk more about when I get back (laughs) and uh, I do not think I'll be able to make the show next week but I know you and Andrew will hold it down as always and I'll have lots of fun stuff to to share with you after I'm back from New York yeah have you ever been to New York Comic Con before I haven't no no this will be my first time yeah well that's very exciting. exciting On that note, also, I will be out next week myself, actually. Yeah, I'm going to be going to Orlando for Halloween Horror Nights, which is, yeah, this is one of mine and Jason's favorite vacations that we obviously haven't been able to do since 2019 due to COVID, you know, in case you forgot about that. We are going to be out next week. It's also kind of like a pre-birthday celebration for him, too. I'm very excited. We will not have the baby with us. And I love my baby, but mommy and daddy need some time alone, too. If you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. just, it's just important. It's good. It's good to, to nurture that relationship with your partner once in a while. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I also 
will be out next week. So it will be Andre holding down the fort with a to-be-determined guest while mm. Rhea and I are out fucking around. Yeah. That's we'll okay. Just, we deserve we'll time, it time off. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. It'll be great. And everyone's like, oh, so that's why Andrea's taking the week off. She needs to recharge up for the week ahead. I'm not trying to put words into her mouth. I'm just being silly. You know I love my baby girl. <laughs> when we get back, we'll have lots to share about your horror nights, about my experience in New York, and maybe some new things in my future. We'll, we'll talk about it. Ooh! little teaser that's right ladies and gentlemen well thank you for watching and or listening to this episode of what's good games i had a lot of fun with our britana what did we call it britana well that was Br- the the naval ship <laughs> the, oh yeah no the encyclopedia shaped naval ship britana i had fun sailing that uss or ss britana with you over these uncharted waters we found a lot of good booty in our ventures oh, nothing and but the best booty nothing but the best booty with you so yeah we won't be back next week but we'll be back the week after with maybe I think Rebecca Valentine is booked to be our guest that week so that'll be a fun one well thank you again for watching and listening to this episode of What's Good Games and we will see you in two weeks Andrew will be back next week though it'll be great bye bye